Well, he- hello everyone. Welcome to uh, Let's Get Both Ties, our queer culture podcast where we discuss stories that mean something to us that have quite a bit of power. And um, today I'm talking to a dear Oz friend because, let's face it, I've gotten most of my contacts through Oz. <laughs> Tara Tagliferro, she is an actress, a teacher, probably a lot more, and a genuine good witch. Aw, thank you so much, Jay. Happy to be here. All right. Well, um, now we were going over our favorite holiday stories this month. Now, this is releasing after Christmas, but we're really recording it very quickly, uh, a few days before Christmas. But what story did you pick to talk about, Tara? I picked Merry Christmas, Stregonona. (laughs) Okay, I think I've seen that one before, but it's been a while. So um, would you like to tell us a little bit about the story? Okay, so this is a later book in the Stregonona series by Tommy DePaolo. Um, I grew up on these books. I loved all the Stregonona books. And I actually found out there's so many more than I even was aware of because I think Stregonona, the first book, is from the 70s. This book was from the 80s, Merry Christmas, Stregonona. But he continued up until I want to say like the mid-2010 times. He has since passed. He's actually, I think, one of the first... Um, I think he may have died from COVID-19 and also age, Um, but he is a recent, he's recently passed away. I love, I just love Stregonona. And this story is the first story where like Big Anthony really gets it right in a good way. He's a, like the funny sidekick of Stregonona. Um, You think he's making a big mistake again. That's kind of always the relationship between the two of them. She's always kind of like, ah, with him. And he really gets it right. He surprises her in this book. And I just love the Italian Christmas traditions that decorate the book. Um, I actually just recently reread it. I am going to be singing in my first ever Midnight Mass um, this year. And Stregonona goes to Midnight Mass. It's like one of my favorite parts of the book. There's just so many things that warm me in this. But I think it's my favorite part is the big Anthony part because you think he's kind of being a bumbly fool, but he it's definitely not this time around. And it's such a good surprise. So yeah, Struganona is, um, do you want to say a little bit about the character of Struganona? Because, you know, you're a little more familiar with these. Like I have some, I remember when I was in school, we went through some of them. I think they went, showed us a, a version of it on video, but, uh, uh, and I saw a few of them going forward, but generally, I, uh, I, I'm not quite as familiar with it as you are. So this is one time this month I'm having to defer to you. <laughs> Great. Yeah, ask anything that you want. I'm not any expert by any means, but I could tell you that Stregonona, the translation means um, Grandma Witch. Uh, it's actually spelled incorrectly. Nona is supposed to be with two N's in Italian. Strega is witch. So it actually, if you take the translation for what it does say, it's ninth witch. <laughs> but that's not what it's supposed to mean. It's supposed to be Grandma Witch. And she lives in Calabria, a little village in Italy. Um, and she, this book is actually banned in a couple of uh, states because of the witchcraft element, the positive witchcraft element. Um, which is so crazy to me. Um, but yeah, Shreganona is a practicing witch in her village. Um, she is an elder and she hires Big Anthony um, 
to help her on out because she can't run to the market like she used to be able to. She needs a little bit more assistance. Um, and she also has Bambalona. I think I'm saying her name correctly. She is the baker's daughter who also wants to learn to be a witch. She's like her apprentice. So those were kind of the main characters. Um, the first book is all about Streganona's ability to make magical pasta and Big Anthony kind of abuses the power and she used to teach him when ma magic is correct and when it's not. So that's like a lesson of that book. Um, and this book, you really do think Big Anthony is going to mess it up because he, the whole back and forth is she has given him a relentless list of things to do to get ready to prepare the house. She prepares a whole big feast for everyone in the village on Christmas Day. And Big Anthony's tired. He's been doing all this running around for her, endless task after endless task. And he keeps asking her, like, can't you use magic, Streganona? And she's like, no, not on Christmas. Like, it's like a big, strong rule. She will not use magic on Christmas. And then she has her last day of stuff that she asks him to get done, go to the market to get the last ingredients, make sure the bacala is on thawed, all these things, all these like Italian things too, which I just love as an Italian myself, a Jersey Italian to be more specific. Um, and that's when Big Anthony comes up short the day before Christmas. Um, he doesn't have the ingredients. He tells her that he got distracted by a puppet show that came into the village and he did not remember. And she's devastated and she uh, is just so sad that she can't like provide for the village. But really, Big Anthony has tricked her. And while she's at midnight mass, when she gets back, she journeys back up the hill. She lives on top of a hill. Um, he has everyone from the village over and they're ready to yell surprise. They've they've done all the cooking so she didn't have to. It's the first time the village is really taking care of her. I love it. This is why I love this book. So this is one of your good witch stories that... Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a, I would totally classify this as a good witch story. So, it's just uh, done through the eyes of, you know, generally Big Anthony, who comes in as someone who doesn't, doesn't know how the magic works, but uh, he learns along with everyone else. <laughs> A hundred percent. I think Big Anthony is all of us, like the reader. He and he's kind of a <laughs> slow with some stuff, but I appreciate about that about him. He's a fun character. He's fun against Dragonona because she's like you know she has that Italian like she's gonna slap him on the head <laughs> type of uh, way of interacting with him. It's just a fun dynamic also because they argue and that's very much an Italian thing. Italians argue even in love. It's just how we communicate. People think we shout all the time. It's just our natural volume and that's so present in this book. Okay, and so yeah, this is something for you know. Tommy DiPaolo was, uh, he, he had Italian heritage. Looking up Wikipedia yeah. here, it says he was, his family was Irish and had Italian heritage, so, but apparently, you know, that was something that meant a lot to him because he created this whole series of stories here and, and Yeah, and he said it was based on something like a, an old folktale but it's not he really truly came up with the whole thing they pitched the first book like that which makes sense it does feel like it could be like an old tale being retold but he really did come up with all of it that is kind of a, a fib hmm. in the Streganona history and the lore 
Alright, and also looking at here, I saw that uh, he, I think this is the first story we talked about that came from a book where the author was openly queer. Like, it says gay, so. Yes, that is so true. I didn't even think about that. You're so right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like, you know, we talked about Disney films before, and of course there were people who were gay who worked on those, but... When it comes to a book, it's typically from one person who's writing the story, and this is the first time we talked about a person who was his queer, like, you know, um, recently, I know at the start of season four of your podcast, Down the Other Book Pod, shout out! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jay. The... Yeah, you uh, said you identify as queer now. That's why I was like, well, the tweet at the Terra Station wants to be on this season. <laughs> love it, love it. Like, you know, um, and, you know, I, I, however you're, you express your identity, I, I believe you're valid. And Yes. You know. Agreed. You know, agreed, you, agreed. You know, as, as far as I'm aware, you're a cis woman living with her husband, which some people might be like, that's not queer, but it's like, it can be a little more than just what it looks like on the outside. So. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I feel like here. I'm just gonna be so honest with my own identity. I am an elder millennial. Um, so I think my growing up, if I had some of the vocabulary, and I think a lot of the exploration that is uh, really visible these days as a younger person, I would probably identify as queer. Um, but I am someone who I don't really need to have any words to my, I guess, sexual identity. I feel like my, I, I just love all people. Most of my friends do identify as queer. So those are my people. So take, take with that, I guess, what you will. Um, queer people are my people. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, you're welcome, and I just want to tell everyone. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me. You're valid. You're valid, even though I don't know. I, I I'm not exactly the mayor of Gayville, but whatever. We 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 don't vote on this. I didn't get my free toaster either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay, I do want to correct something I said because I'm on Tommy DePaulo's uh, Wikipedia as well. He died right away in the pandemic, but not from COVID-19. That was not the cause of his death. It was just that was the timing of his death. It was March 30th. I remember that being so sad. Like, I was very sad. I think it's saying here he was badly injured in a fall in his barn studio the previous week, and he died of complications following the surgery. So just want to honor his death um, for what it actually was instead of misspeaking. Well, I mean, it was right there, March 2023, was like, it felt yeah. like, I, I remember that time, it was like, it felt like every month was an extension of that same month for a long time, and then we just realized, it, life's going on, we have to keep moving, even if we do have to do everything to stay safe, so. Right, right. Right. Um, it's, it also says here, like, he didn't come out until 2019. Which was the year so just, before he just died. a year before he died. It says if it became he this is his quote, if it became known you were gay, you'd have a big red G on your chest and schools wouldn't buy your books anymore. Yeah, I think that's about the same thing that happened with Maurice Syndax. So Wow. Here we are talking about uh the illustrators and writers who shaped our childhoods, I guess. Like, I mean Wow. I... I think that, yeah, I 
Yeah, that's um, that's a big thing to read. Right. You came out in the New York Times Magazine. Wow. Okay, so, well, I'm trying to uh, fold down, scroll down to the list of his works here. I'm trying to see if there's anything aside from the Stroganona books, which, yeah, went all the way up to 2017. I don't think I... Yeah, he was he was a very active writer author. Um, I don't think I oh he has a book of Bible stories. I feel like I may have owned that at some point. Like his illustrations, there's just a couple people that I really really identify with, like childhood with, and Tommy DePaulo is one. Like these illustrations, Jan Brett. Has anyone brought up Jan Brett with you, Jay? With like Christmas books. Jan Brett is like the queen of Christmas for me. I just bought a newer book of hers um, from Books of Wonder in New York City. Shout out Children's Bookstore. That's phenomenal. You can order from them online. They're great. Um, she just wrote one called Animal Santa. I love it. But one of my other favorite Christmas tales is The Wild Christmas Reindeer. And she's behind that. She's like her, Tommy. And then I think I have it with me. Let me see. Did I bring it with me? Because I was finishing reading it. Yes. The Jolly postman series also had a christmas book that's janet and alan alberg i have those are that's it like if i had to name like my top three christmas books the artistry like those visuals that's what i see when i think of myself as a kid are these characters and they all kind of feel like they're in the same ballpark jan brett might be the most detailed um and more like fairy whimsical um, then I think like the, the Jolly Postman series and Shreganona, they're a little bit more direct, I would say. Yeah. Um, but do you know what I'm talking about? The Jolly Postman? I'm obsessed with the Jolly Postman. I remember, was that the uh, book that had pages, had envo- envelopes on it, and you could actually take stuff out of the envelopes and read them? Yes, yes. There are three books from what I remember. There is The Jolly Postman. There was another like sequel book to that that I'm, I can't remember the title. And then there was the special holiday edition. Um, and these all came out at the same time. That's the other thing too. There's like such an 80s feel to all of this. This was 1991. Um, the Jolly Christmas Postman. Again, Shreganona, Merry Christmas Shreganona is 1986. But I think The Jolly Christmas, excuse me, The Jolly Postman, that series started maybe late 80s um, since was, this was a later book. Um, yeah, this book is phenomenal. It's basically like, if you know, Into the Woods, Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods, it's take out maybe the adult themes and have these fairy tale characters living in a kingdom together. It's one of the first book series I can even think of that does this. It's such a common thing now, I think, to see, um, fairy tale towns merging. We got Once Upon a Time making that really mainstream on television, but there's a lot of that now. I don't think that was really happening back then as much the the jolly postman's the first thing i can think of so the fairy tale characters what you get to do is watch them you get to open their mail and see what they're writing to one another so you have some crossover things but the postman's kind of the glue um he's the one delivering all of the mail so there's like mail between goldilocks and the three bears there's mail between the big bad wolf who's like in redemption land there's um a mail with humpty dumpty and all the king's horses and all the king's men it's really ridiculous um most it's like nursery rhymes and fairy tales that it combines but yeah i can't this is actually probably the first book i can think of 
besides Into the Woods, which is an 80s musical that really took the fairy tales and put them together, I wonder if they inspired one another. Hmm. That is my big question now. Good question. Hmm. Well, that might be worth Yeah, I don't know. Time. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. It's fascinating. So do you think there's a queer sensibility to Struganora that comes through? Yes, I do. I think it's Big Anthony. Um Big Anthony is an Italian man who is not married and doesn't really have interest in the Babylonia. <laughs> Make sure I'm saying her name right. Hold on. <laughs> I I think in my like little girl brain, I just like overread the word because it was so big. And now I'm like, what was the baker's daughter's name that they try to set him up with? Bambalona. I think that's correct. Bambalona. Um, he has like no interest in her, but she's like into him. Um, so I'm curious to Big Anthony's identity. And he's seems to be really content with Straganona. Um, like his his, you know, he's he's stressed out, I think, and like tired by all the work she has him do, but he also is so supportive of her. And this book really shows it. That's why I definitely chose this one. But yeah, I would say Big Anthony has a queer element to him or you could project a queer theme on him yeah, I, and it's almost like for what it sounds like they all have just create this little family where together yeah it's a chosen family a hundred percent i want to know more i actually don't know how big anthony got into the picture i think there is a book on big anthony his story and then there's a Straganona book called her story i have more to read my friends way more to read so you get a little bit of backstory of how the two of them came together <laughs> and i would love to know it because i actually i i don't know it <laughs> that's something that uh, it, it it's always fun when you find something from your childhood that you thought you knew pretty well and then you look at dig into a little more and you're like there's more <laughs> There's so much more. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I might have in a cart the treasury. <laughs> There's the treasury that they made in 2015 of like majority of the Shreganona book. So it's like, hmm, either I'm going to take this out from the library or I think I'm going to get this just because it is that sweet childhood magic. And I'm trying to make my 2024. I really want to go back to the classics that I used to love as a kid or, uh, and, and, you know, reread or read further. Cause maybe I didn't get as far in a series. Um, I'm reading the sisters Grimm books right now that those were not out when I was a kid, but um, they're a book that I've wanted to read and they're kind of in the um, series of unfortunate events style and tone. And I'm really appreciating that. So I want to do more of that. So Straganona is on my list. Okay. All right. Well, I'm almost like you're really good at at uh, covering topics really quick. <laughs> it's there's always something to like. I don't know, munch on. I guess, especially like when you're you ask me, I'm like anything from childhood just has. It has something. It has weight. It's gonna have. It's like coming in with like a little treasure chest already because it's like meant something to me yeah. for so long and getting the opportunity to revisit is a gift so I'm happy to be here Jay to do this with you yeah I remember we had this trunk full of uh, Christmas stories that we would bring out every December we'd open them and go through them and there'd just be so many lovely stories to read and everything and then eventually you know um stuff happened 
Uh, you know, we blew up. Staff got, uh, got ordered. I think yeah, the yeah. test more or less got destroyed at some point because mm. it was, I guess it wasn't one of those that was made to last for a super long time, but it's just one of those things I now can think back and think, I had that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's a magical thing. Is to there know. like a book that you remember, but you can't remember much about it, like a Christmas book specifically for you? I'm trying to think. Um, I know my dad didn't keep his copies of a Christmas Carol in there because my dad. Pretty a little advanced, I guess, too. Like, did you have a picture book of Christmas Carol, or was it like a thick chapter book? Um, he, my dad had a ton of different editions and uh, adaptations. So that's so cool. You could do that with Christmas Carol. Yeah. Okay, I, I think there was one in there. Adaptation. I remember there was this illustration of Scrooge. He's getting up from his bed, and he has the curtains of his bed pulled around his head. And I think he looks like a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I hope you find that one. So, ugh. and then I think there was, ooh. I think there was this little golden book that I think was authorized by Disney because it kind of went off of. The designs, the illustrations were based on the designs they'd done in an old Disney cartoon showing Santa's workshop. And Love it. I Love can't it. really find, uh, remember the, that one too well. I think we found, uh, found the magical one. I think in the pandemic, Em and I did this, who's my co-host on Down the Yellow Brick Pod. We lived together during the pandemic. We watched some of those like old Disney sing-alongs <laughs> that were all Christmas themed those are a doozy because like whoa talk about like I hadn't seen those probably in 20 30 years could I sing every single thing did I know every single animation that was going to come next yes <laughs> like it just was wild I was like whoa I really grew up on these yeah and it was and then also kind of on the subject of Disney, there was also the Disney comics that we put out. Um, there was this one big one by the artist Carl Barks who did a lot of comics for Disney based on Donald Duck. And he's the one who created the character of Uncle Scrooge that DuckTales was based on. Oh, cool, cool. So, um, That's right, Uncle Scrooge. Yeah. Um, my That's dad cool. had this nice big... Uh, soft cover reprint of a comic called A Christmas for Shacktown where uh, Daisy Duck is raising money for uh, basically this small town of, of people who are in very, they're not homeless, but they're very, very poor. They can't afford nice houses. And she's like, I want to make sure the kids can have toys and the, uh, they have a nice dinner for Christmas and everything. And Donald, uh, everyone's trying to raise money for it. And Donald decides he's going to ask Uncle Scrooge. And Scrooge is, of course, super stingy. And he says, says no. And then suddenly there's, I guess we would call it a sinkhole. And all of Scrooge's money falls, as it, uh, falls into it. And Scrooge finds himself now needing to look, uh, uh, look to charity. And... Ooh. They find, this is the Gilded Age this season, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> they, um, they, they, they suddenly find some of his money, and they find that where the sinkhole actually leads into, and they manage to get out with, out with a toy train, 
And the first, he says, okay, because I appreciate your help, the first load of money that comes out, you can have for your charity donation, and it all comes out with some very big bills. Oh my gosh. So Scrooge is going to get his money back, and he funds the whole thing. So it ends with a happy ending. So. Oh, that's that's good at least. Well, we've kind of turned this into more. What are the Christmas stories that kind of shaped your childhood here? So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many. I mean, it's hard. It truly was hard to just pick one, but I went with my gut when you asked. <laughs> that was a little surprise, though. I'm like, was there struggling on a Christmas story? I did automatically see the associate about that. You know what? I was like, let's go with it. If you... Well, it's where I also think I was introduced to Bon Natal, which is Merry Christmas in Italian. So that like sticks with me too. Like there's so many things that I think this book, like it taught me, like it kind of, there. it's just in the story, like Italians, we eat fish at Christmas. That's in this story. So it just made me feel seen in my own traditions. You know what I mean? Like I was seeing it in this book too. There's something with that as well with this one. Okay. That, yeah, that's something that, yeah, you're Italian-American. I'm, mm-hmm. um, you know, my ancestry I know comes from Germany, Wales, and I have a little Native American, so I, I'm all over. But, you know, generally, you know, a lot of our Christmas traditions came from Germany, so generally I'm like, like a lot of stuff kind of feeds into what I already know, so... It's always fascinating when you come around to stories from other cultures that have different traditions. You're like, okay. And, you know, they're all valid. Agreed. I I give a lot of props, and I think it's only gotten better, to the American Girl stories always have a holiday part of their book series. So that's another thing that I grew up with, too, where I was being introduced to all different kinds of traditions, like, St. Lucia, I think it is for um, Kirsten. Swedish tradition. Yeah, yes. That's Kirsten. Yes, 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 yes. Like all that stuff was so great as a kid. Um, that kind of exposure. Awesome, you know, and um, I do think I got it more from I mean, I guess it was a nice combo. I Reading is a different kind of magic than going to see a movie. Um, but I do think I got a lot of my exposure to different ways of celebrating through books. Said that there was a Struganona musical that came out in 1986 yes. to 1987. I have, I was like, is there a page for this on Wikipedia that? Can we, can we find it? Wait, Jay, is it the same children's theater group that did The Marvelous Land? Yeah. Do you? Okay, that makes complete sense. So, in the Oz world, there is like this notorious musical version of Marvel's Land of Oz, the sequel book to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, as probably many of the listeners who are listening to this know. <laughs> and it was another 80s, like totally created by this children's theater company. And it really hasn't happened much elsewhere, but it's on YouTube. They professionally filmed it and you can find it online and it's phenomenal it's so cool the company however always put this like flag up they the person who was in charge not to get too in detailed to not to get into too many details because also a lot of it's foggy in my brain i believe um came under a lot of um sexual assault and harassment allegations following his time and i think he served majority of the 80s um 
So just putting that out there, because this would have been under that person's time. The the Marvelous Land musical was so in, like so innovative, so creative. I can only imagine what they did with Strigonona. Yeah, I'm taking a look at... Oh gosh, the guy who has his own Wikipedia page. This paper has multiple issues. Hmm. Yeah, it's not good, Jay. It's not good. It's pretty bad. Let's see. Let's scroll past it real quick, but I'm not seeing anything on there about that one, but... There there are some... If you go onto YouTube, it looks like there are some... (laughs) Oh my gosh, cute. Okay, the Children's Theater Company um, did a national tour, children's tour of Strigonona in 1997. It's so, the set actually looks like the book come to life. Like I'm just seeing a little thumbnail of it. (laughs) It's so cute. Um, So that's available on YouTube. It's at 29 minutes and 40 seconds, part one of three. So maybe it's about my guess is it's probably about an hour if it's a children's musical. Yeah. So it does look like it's available on here. I'm probably going to have to make this something I watch eventually. Yeah, I was wondering, so cute. did that maybe pull in some of the uh, Christmas uh, his, uh, story there? Because we're coming out, uh, out about the same time, but maybe uh, maybe they want to keep it not tied to a holiday theme yeah it's it's probably Stregonona proper that would be my guess so this is probably everything to do with her magical pasta dish that she makes mm-hmm. and big anthony being a fool <laughs> well don't, don't we know that there's a lot of magical pasta dishes that we just love <laughs> <laughs> like honestly reading Stregonona and saying the word Stregonona makes me hungry <laughs> Explain that, Jay. I don't understand what that is, but I like reading it. I get hungry for, especially for Italian food, like a big bowl of pasta, which I'm I'm actually hosting my first Christmas this year, and I'm gonna do some Italian um, dishes as a way to celebrate. I'm gonna make pasta fagioli, which is like my favorite thing to make. Um, I'm excited, so I'll be a little Stregonona energy in my apartment this year. Okay. All right, well, we're getting down. All right, we got about like eight minutes before Zoom kicks, kicks yeah, us sure. out. Yeah, so, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Do you have any other holiday stories you want to you enjoy that you want to just briefly shout out or talk about? Sure. Um, there's another book that I was obsessed with. Um, the Christmas Miracle of Jonathan Toomey. Am I like saying something that is like, what? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do not know. Okay, there was like a gorgeous illustrated copy of that. My cousin, Anisha, who I grew up with, she's four years younger than me. She used to get me books for the holidays. We had a tradition every um, Christmas. She would actually read me Princess Furball, not a Christmas book. I still have my Princess Furball copy. I'm obsessed with Princess Furball. Um, Princess Furball is a random fairy tale book. I, I, I can't even really describe princess for ball it's like a cinderella story but so that like feels like a holiday book to me just because i read it every single year for the holidays and my cousin anisha bought me for my wedding for my bridal shower she bought me my own copy because i never owned it and she put like she wrote in it which was so 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 sweet but i love princess for a ball um so that that to me not a christmas book but it totally is in my brain 
Um, but she also got me this miracle, the Christmas miracle of Jonathan to me about a, um, a man who whittles. He's a wood, he works with wood. Um, I can't remember much more than that, but I remember being obsessed with the illustrations. I mean, Polar Express is a classic. I always give people out, um, I hand out, let me say that again. I give people out. I hand, I hand uh, out silver bells um, during the holidays, especially if I lead any events, just to put in your pocket as that reminder of the magic of the holidays. Um, and that's totally from the Polar Express, like hearing that jingle, the Santa uh, Claus jingle. Um, I love the Polar Express. We I have a copy of that. What do I have? Jan Brett, huge. What else do I have in my collection? Polar Express. The Grinch. I mean, I did the Grinch musical. I love the Grinch. Bahu Flores, everybody. Um, any other big ones? I think those are, yeah, those would be my top. I remember that I was, I, I, I was like thinking a, a weird time where I remember seeing the Polar Express, the book in, in school and we of course read it as a class and I love, love, love the whole idea of it just go, being whisked away on a midnight adventure just to go, go see Santa Claus and then go back home and your parents wouldn't know because nothing crazy happened. You just had this wonderful time yeah. that was just magical. My husband always makes fun of it. He's like, Santa like kidnaps children <laughs> yeah. for a whole night. Like this is a weird book. I'm so obsessed though. I mean, that's like the dream to take a train to a magical place is a dream. Like Hogwarts Express, Polar Express, dream, yeah. dream. I honestly, when the movie came out, I was just like, I can't do this. They're just building too much on this. I just like to. I think I just like to, sim- to add too much. Yeah, I just yeah, like yeah. the simpler story of the book. So same. I agree. We actually put it on while we were decorating this year because I don't think my husband and I either of us had seen the movie. I mean, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanksing in this film. It's like too much. I was like, whoa, he's like giving us all his Tom Hanks that he has inside of him. It's like too much. Because he does, he voices, like, he's kind of giving you a Wizard of Oz moment where he's playing a lot of different characters. Um, And I don't love it. Like, it just feels so over the top. And they had to add so much in that movie to flesh it out that I didn't feel like was necessary. It, like, loses the heart of it, I think. For me. For me. The CGI is actually, that's kind of one of the first movies to do that kind of not CGI. That's not correct. But that kind of um, that kind of animation. It's one of the first. Mm, yeah, to motion look capture. Like that. I... They did motion yeah, capture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Robert Zemeckis, and he's been trying to do an animation style that almost looks realistic, but it Real. just never quite nails it. Yeah. And... No, no, no. <sighs> You're right. That's exactly what it is. And it, I still, I still think it's impressive in in moments. And you know what? It probably was fun to go to the theaters and see it with glasses on and like do the 3D experience. That would have probably been fun to do with Polar Express. Yeah. But yeah, not my not my favorite book to movie adaptation for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, we're down to about three minutes here, so I think we'll start signing <laughs> out. So if Great. people want to catch up with you, Down the Yellow Book Pod is an amazing Woo. podcast. Where Aww. you, I, I'm just, so, 
impressed that you guys started out with, you did the Wonderful Wizard of Oz chapter by chapter every week. And then season two, you went ahead and did the MG movie and the Wiz. Season three, you came back to the Elephant Bomb books and finished those out. And now this season, which you just, I guess you're already done recording it. And it's just now going out. Yeah. Where you're, you got a little wicked. Yes, <laughs> because, we did. And it's just been incredible. The guests you've gotten to talk with you about uh, the show because you've gotten people who've actually been in the show to talk with you. I'm just like, whoa. Well, I <laughs> it kind of helps that you're in the theater theater circuit. You kind of get have a few connections. Sure. I guess. Yes. 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 So, yes. We have some friends. Yes. 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 All right. So they help us out. I, I'm just it's been a good time. I'm just giving my honest endorsement of this podcast. Like, go listen oh, to Jay, it. Thanks. Go listen to thanks, it. I mean, so. Would love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was on. I just had a really, really crazy time. We're trying to make that work when I was staying with my parents there for a bit. <laughs> All right. And we got a couple minutes. You want to drop your socials? Sure. Yeah. You could come check out Down the Yellow Brick Pod at on Instagram at Down the Yellow Brick Pod. We are also on Patreon and we create, we try to create community experience there, um, do some bonus content. Um, we really appreciate the support. That's how we stay running. So you could find us at Patreon at Down the Yellow Brick Pod there as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm a little bit more hands off of my own social media at the moment. It takes me a long time to get back. Um, I'm really not on Facebook, but Instagram is my, I guess, go to when it comes to social media. So you could feel free to reach out to me there at Tara Tag Tickles. I will get back to you. Can't tell you how timely it will be, but I will get back to you. <laughs> so if you need to get her a message, maybe just go ahead and use down the other book pod. The pod. Go to the pod. The pod is where I'm like, pop in and on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, here we are in the last minute before Zoom kicks us out. Tara, Jay, thanks for getting me in the holiday spirit. Well, thank you for talking about this and sharing some of your favorite uh, holiday things with us. And I... I now want to go back and check out Shoganona again, so. Please do, and message me when you do. Right. I can't wait to hear how you enjoy it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Tara. Merry Christmas to you, and happy holidays. Same, same. Many blessings in the new year ahead. All right, you take care, and you have a great day. Buon Natal, everyone. Right, bye. Bye. So opening and closing music has been changing every month. I like to go for obscure pieces of classical music. Last month when we celebrated 100 years of Disney, I was using samples from the Act 1 finale of Victor Herbert's Babes in Toyland. This month, however, I went to Carl Reinecke's Nutcracker and Mouse King, or Nussnacker and Mouskoning, and used some samples from his piece Christmas Eve for that collection. This version was performed by Klaveru Hespielkunst music videos on YouTube. And it just like the holidays to just be in a rush all of a sudden to be like family and home alone running through the uh, airport. It really is that. No, you're so right. The family at home alone is my truth right now. (laughs)